1: Hello and welcome to a look back at the first day's play in two very different test matches in two, well, similar parts of the world. Simon Mann, you're in New Zealand, you're at Mount Maunganui watching uh, New Zealand-England and I've been actually in Stratford in London watching Australia-Pakistan for, for BT Sports, so two uh, well very contrasting days played funnily enough with the same amount of runs roughly scored but uh, Pakistan certainly uh, less successful I suppose than England as, as batting sides go before we get into this by the way I just ought to say uh, the Cricketer Magazine's new issue, the, the sort of December issue is out uh, with a, a big review of the state of the game in the world uh, we're calling it the new global game in fact the way it's expanded and there is a special offer on the cricket subscription for this month it's 45 pounds which is normal but for that for a year's subscription you also get a, a 20 pound john lewis gift voucher or a copy of alistair cook's autobiography and uh, you can get that by going to thecricketer.com forward slash christmas it's nearly christmas in
2: new zealand but probably doesn't feel like it simon no, it doesn't. It's a lovely sunny day today. The forecast is for five sunny days, which is great news for this test match. And England, true to their word today, they talked about batting long and digging in. And that's exactly what they did today at the top of the order. It wasn't pretty at times. It was, though, when Ben Stokes came in at the end. He hit Trent Bolt for four successive fours in one over, although one of them he was dropped off. He went to cut... Trent Bolt and it went through the hands of Ross Taylor at first, slipping down to the boundary for four, but it was Stokes who added the gloss onto a a resolute England batting performance. 2.41 for four, it was a bit old school really, or new school as far as this England team are concerned.
1: Well, talking of schools, we, we, we mentioned this before in the preview about Whitgift School, the, uh, the producer of both England openers, Rory Burns and Dominic Sibley. And Sibley, he, he hit his first ball for four, which I think has only happened to about sort of four or five England players, one of whom, of course, is David Gower. Uh, a crisp shot to, to get his uh, test career underway, first ball, but then
2: stuck around, didn't hit too many more runs. But, but look the part... He looked really solid, actually. It was a surprise when he got out. He he looked more secure than Rory Burns. Burns could have been out three times. There was uh, a nick behind that wasn't detected by the umpire, and New Zealand weren't sure. The bowler didn't appeal. There was an LBW shout. There was umpire's call hitting the, the top of off stump, and he got the benefit of the doubt on that one. And there was a nick through first and second slip where neither fielder went for it. So Rory Burns rode his luck. Dominic Sibley looked solid until de home just got one to go away from him a fraction. And he scored his, his runs on the leg side today, exclusively on the leg side. He tried to turn it, got a, a sort of leading edge. Strange dismissal, really. Sort of thick leading edge, almost, to first let where Ross Taylor actually caught this one. He didn't catch Stokes later in the day and, and Sibley was on his way. But he, he did look solid. Nothing spectacular from Dominic Sibley. Lovely crisp shot to get off the mark. First ball, the first England batsman to get off the mark from their first ball in test cricket since Chris Wokes back in 2013. And you you mentioned David Gower at the start of his test career. That's perhaps one of the most famous uh, fours to get off the mark. A princely stroke, as John Arlett described it at the time. So uh, it's a memorable start for Sibley, but he'll probably be a bit frustrated this evening that he didn't go on and, and produce at least a half century on his debut. But at least
1: uh, there was a a foundation there, a little bit of structure that the the lower order, or the the middle order rather, could could build on. Of course, Joe Root actually didn't uh, make it count today, but but Joe Denley and
2: Ben Stokes did. They did. Uh, Stokes, uh, circumspect at the start, and then he got into his work. He, He he climbed into the new ball a bit, actually, and he was hitting it really sweetly. I almost felt with Stokes that he didn't really want the close. He's batting so well and so fluently that he could have done with another hour, and who who knows, you know, he really could have extended England's score. He's got to come back in the morning and start again against a new ball that's only... 10 overs of, but having said that, 10 overs of, of Cookerborough is not quite 10 overs of, of Duke. So England have sort of eaten a chunk at that new ball already. And the other thing to, to note as well is how confident Ollie Pope looked this evening. He, he came in and he timed it nicely. He's busy at the crease. He, he really is. There's something of Ian Bell about him. And if, if you're looking at any of that England uh, top or new players in that, England lineup today and I'm including I suppose Rory Burns in that because he's relatively new certainly Dominic Sibley because he is new and Joe Denley hasn't had a a great deal of experience at test level I think Pope he looks like a real player for the future he looks like someone that could go on and build a, a really significant test match career and that's the hope of course he's 21 years of age lots of very good players have made their debuts for England at that sort of age and gone on and had really big careers.
1: Of course, he's another one who, who is a wicket-keeper as well. There's a sort of growing list of players who've come into the England side sort of as wicket keepers and proved that that they're actually batsmen. I wonder if that's got anything to do with when they were kids not being bowlers because <laughs> the trouble with bowling is it, it just sort of, it takes, I think it takes the love, it erodes the love of the game away from you probably when you start bowling age sort of 17, 18 and start getting injuries and things like that whereas if you're a wicket keeper or a fielder and a batsman it's probably quite an enjoyable time so uh, I can see why Wicket keepers turn into batsmen, and, and actually the the two skills kind of help each other as well because you have to concentrate hard as a, as a keeper or a or a batsman, and uh, just the following the path of the ball, training your eye, all the the biomechanics that that uh, is associated with. I suppose that that fits in. I, I like the look of Ollie Pope. I like the look of him. We watched him last year, didn't we, at the Oval in an early county game and he acquitted himself superbly against a a demanding Yorkshire attack he certainly uh, seems to have something extra about him so uh, a decent sort of platform for England
2: would you say well I think that's the point and that's what they're trying to do build a platform and then their strikers lower down the order in the middle order and lower order Take advantage of it. I think that seems to be the plan where the opposition bowlers down, especially with this Cookabra ball that goes you know soft and doesn't do a great deal after twenty overs, sort of take it deep and then really cash in. So that will be the test tomorrow. Can England cash in? Can they get away against the relatively new ball in the morning or the the evening UK time and then pile on the runs, get something like four hundred and fifty, of course. If Ben Stokes is in there, anything is possible. And there was a a real resolution about Stokes batting today, a real determination. He, I mean, he is a, a class player. Now, we know that. We, we saw him play in the summer. But there's, there's just something more assured about, about his batting now. Uh, anyone who saw his 250 in, in Cape Town you know, would marvel at it that was innings where he, he started off thrashing it and just kept going but this is this was technically good as well apart from that one flirty shot against Trent And perhaps he just got a bit carried away after hitting it for 3-4 so a lot resting on Stokes, Butler of course made 100 in one of the warm-up games so he's in, in decent nick there's Sam Curran to come as well and who knows what we're going to get from Jofra Archer, it's about time Jofra Archer actually showed us what he's capable of with the bat in a test match and that's the point I suppose, We get to someone like Archer even broad as well with big runs in the bank then they can have that freedom to play in, in the summer Archer was often coming in under pressure and also Australia have got a very good bowling attack as well so it wasn't easy for him to, to get away so that room for optimism for England of course if they lose two quick wickets in the morning against the relatively new ball then they'll be set back the pitch uh, quite slow so it was quite a nutritional day uh, only Stokes really mastered it Uh, Are we in for the long haul here? I think we sensed it before the match. And I think, yeah, I I would be surprised if it doesn't go into the fifth day, deep into the fifth day. We might even have a a draw here. But, you know, lots can happen, obviously, between now and, and the fifth day of this Test match. I think England have the edge after the first day, but there's still plenty of work to do.
1: You mentioned about the Australian bowling and England's lower order, you know, the likes of Joffrey Archer, Stuart Broad. Uh, I was thinking about that a little bit when watching the Australian bowlers bowling today at Pakistan I mean they are a really serious attack and I, I totally sympathize with the Jofra Archers and Stuart Brawls of this world facing up to the likes of Josh Hazelwood and Pat Cummins and Mitchell Stark with a hard ball quite often the the second new ball and the way they can get the ball up into the rib cage up into the shoulder area the neck area without actually pitching it all that short uh, when you're not a very good batsman you're like a rabbit in headlights against uh, deliveries like that and you know they're coming, and you look out you 're looking out for them, but you just haven't quite got the Uh, reflexes and the skill to deal with it, and that then, of course, affects the rest of your game, as we've seen with someone like Stuart Broad. So I I totally sympathise with the tail-enders for having to deal with that, and we saw an interesting example of tail-enders trying to deal with those fast bowlers today with Pakistan. It's been an extraordinary day uh, in uh, Brisbane for one particular boy, we should call him, Nazim Shah, who was uh, given his first test cap today, aged 16 years and 238 days. Imagine, if if you're a a person now listening to us who's over 16, just imagine going out to the Gabba, to face Mitchell Stark, Pat Cummins and Josh Hazelwood in a test match, aged 16 and a half, Uh, what what you were doing at that time in your life and whether you would be able to cope with it. Anyway, he actually did handle it quite well, having uh, almost got bold first ball when Mitchell Stark was on a hat-trick, coming in at number 10. Uh, He then actually got his first test runs and even his first test boundary, hitting a, a stark delivery, a full toss, down the ground for a four before finally being the last man out for Pakistan, 240 all out. He got his first test cap, his test cap uh, given to him this morning by Waqar Yunus, a week after his mother died back in Pakistan. So it's been an extraordinary traumatic last week and a half for him. Very sad, of course, that his mother wasn't alive to see him make his Pakistan test debut. He's in the team mainly as a bowler, of course. He's only played seven first-class matches and yet, ..picked for Pakistan in a test match against Australia. Pakistan won the toss, uh, elected to bat, and actually made a good fist of things to start with, uh, getting to the lunch interval without losing a wicket, which uh, some uh, clever correspondent noticed was the first time that Australia haven't taken a wicket in the first session of a Gabba test match ever so that's quite remarkable and you know even more remarkable given Australia's record at the Gabba they haven't lost a test much since 1988 at the Gabba anyway then uh, Pakistan after that uh, very good morning session rather declined and, and they lost five quick wickets went down to 94 for five before a bit of a revival through Assad Shafiq and also a little bit from uh, Mohamed Rizwan and, and Yasir Shah a perky 20 odd so eventually Pakistan got to 2.40, sort of respectability, I suppose, but kind of somehow don't expect uh, Australia to be satisfied with that. I think, uh, in in other words, when they bat, um, Steve Smith was playing shadow batting and playing shots at second slip for most of the day. And with uh, Pakistan's bowling attack, uh, very young, with uh, not only Nazim Shah, but uh, Shaheen Shah, Freedy as well, only 19, and Imran Khan isn't that much older. There's only 12 test matches between the three front-line seam bowlers for Pakistan, so I sort of feel they may not inhibit the, the Australian batsmen too much, but
2: we'll see. Well, they, they and that's the thing, isn't it? It's the unpredictability factor about... Uh, Pakistan I, and, and there's a real fascination uh, to that Brisbane Test match. I think he's caught the imagination, hasn't he, N- Nassim Shah, playing it at 16 years of age. I watched it, actually. I came back to my hotel room and watched the last three-quarter an hour of play. And, and oh, he, he could have been out about half a dozen times. But that the shot down the ground against Mitchell Stark, I think, delighted everyone. It was, a, it was a wonderful shot. And you know he has got something about him, clearly, to make his debut at 16. It's interesting you say you know, he's only played seven first-class matches. It actually seems remarkable to me that he's played seven first-class Matches at the age of uh, 16. I mean, what what age were you when you made your first class debut?
1: Yeah, no, that's a good question. In fact, I was 19, but uh, well, I suppose what I meant was he's only played seven first-class first class matches and yet he's been mm. picked for a test match. But that's the kind of thing that, that Pakistan do. In fact, Wazi Makram, who's uh, on the commentary team for this test series, played his first test, which was his fourth first-class match uh, when he was only 17, and he had to face Richard Hadley. So it's a similar sort of experience. I mean, it's just it, 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 it's beggar's belief, really. It, it's mind-boggling to imagine a 16-year-old going out to face Mitchell Stark on a hat. Trick in a test match, and um, Shane Warne on commentary was sort of almost—he was in 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 a quite uh, avuncular sort of way. Sort of was rather worried for him actually, and and actually the the Australian bowlers were were very respectful. I mean, there was a couple of short balls bowled, but in the in the main they tried to hit the stumps, uh, and actually performed as typically they they have done over the last nine months or so. Pat Cummins outstanding. Three for 60. Mitchell Stark somehow managed to burgle 4-52, uh, completely living up to his reputation as the mop, finishing off the innings. Uh, yeah, I mean, but, but the story of the day, undoubtedly, Nazim Shah. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to watching him bowl. Uh, you know, he's the youngest player that's ever played against Australia in a Test match. And they're already talking about him uh, having a, a run-up and action, a bit like Dennis Lilly. So it'll be uh, fascinating to see how he goes.
2: Yeah, it certainly will. We'll be monitoring it from uh, Mount Manganui, as, as we were today, actually. Uh, well, the other thing that You I really are in...
1: a sad cricket badger, aren't you? <laughs> I mean, you've, you've had a whole day's cricket
2: at Mount Manganui, and then you're
1: back to your hotel room watching Australia, Pakistan. Get out more. You're in this beautiful country
2: in New Zealand. Go and see a few sights. It's dark. You can't see anything now. It's, it's dark. It's, the sun is the <laughs> Well, sun go and set. meet a few New Zealanders then. <laughs> well, uh, well, we have been doing uh, while we've been here. We, we've been out most nights. But I, I I don't know, Australia against Pakistan with Nassim Shah uh, making his debut. It, it was irresistible, Yozra. I, I had to watch some of it and just get, get a sense of, uh, of the atmosphere at the, at the Gabba as well. What, what's the pitch like? Tell me what the pitch is like. It's a good pitch. Uh, it's 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 got lots of runs in it and the
1: balls they're using, the Kookaburra balls I don't know if they're the same in New Zealand but the Kookaburra balls they're using in Australia are like oranges they're terrible, got no seam at all do absolutely nothing so unless the Pakistanis can make really early inroads I can see the Australians piling up a big score, it'll have a bit more pace in it tomorrow, the the Gabba pitch and will probably stay true to its reputation as the place where uh, lots of opposing teams get dismembered at the gabattoir. So we'll join you with uh, uh, reports from the second day's play of both our Test matches, uh, New Zealand, England and Pakistan, Australia. And don't forget that website for the Cricketer special offer. It's one of our proudest issues, the December issue, one of our best months. So go to www.thecricketer.com forward slash Christmas and get a great deal. And we'll speak to you tomorrow. Thanks for listening.
0: Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah.